He knows his stuff and sure enough it's shooting the bull with Tom Snow. Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of Shooting the Bull with Tom Snow. In today's episode we're going to take a break from the Forgotten Wars and I want to talk about something new. So in today's episode, I'm going to discuss the history of fraternities and sororities on American college campuses. All right, so let's have a little background about this. So I was not in a fraternity when I was in college, and for those of you who know me, that probably doesn't come up as a huge surprise. For those of you who don't know me, I'm not exactly what you call a party boy, so the frat life just never appealed to me when I was in college. One of my roommates in college was in a fraternity, and to be honest, we, him and I never really got along well. Um, to be frank, he was just kind of a douchebag, and because of him, I had a very negative image when it came to frats. I kind of thought they were your stereotypical jackasses with the pop collars, the, the Ralph Lauren polos, you know what I'm talking about. I have met several people that were in fraternities and sororities since him, and many of them are very nice, kind people. So I'm definitely not like a frat hater anymore. I'm sure there are pros and cons to being in a frat or a sorority, and uh, I'm sure that, like anywhere else there are good people who are in frats and not so nice people who are in frats, and I've met both. But anyway, um, I've been watching this show Community on Netflix. It's a really good show. I highly recommend it. And it got me reminiscing to my old college days, which is why I'm doing this episode. So I'm going to talk about the history of the fraternity and the sorority, such as how they were formed, how they evolved, and some of the challenges they faced back then and continue to face today. Real quick, the one roommate I did not like so much, he told me one day that if you were not in a fraternity, you, have to call them, you cannot call them frats, you have to call them fraternities. I thought that sounded kind of arrogant to be honest, but just so I don't offend anybody, I will call them fraternities instead of frats, since that's apparently a big deal. Alrighty, so let us get started. So the first fraternity was Pi Beta Kappa, which was founded in 1776. So in other words, fraternities are as old as the United States of America. It was started by a guy by the name of John Heath and he was a student at the College of William and Mary in Virginia. The fraternity originally consisted of five members who frequently met off campus at the nearby Raleigh Tavern. For those of you who don't know what a tavern is, it was basically, basically like the bar of the 1700s, so some things really never change. There were two reasons Heath chose a Greek name. Um, first of all, he was a scholar in Greek literature, so just personal preference right there. And he also wanted his organization to be the opposite of the Latin-named liter literary societies that were common on early American college campuses. And also, this is just a personal speculation. In the early days of the American Republic, basically the American Revolutionary War time period, um, anything Greek was very popular because before America, Greek was the most famous republic, in the at least in Western history. So we see a lot of... Um, Greek literature, Greek architects, architecture being very popular in early America. So that might have had something to do with the Greek tradition of the fraternity, early fraternities, but that's just my speculation. So the first Pi Beta Kappa Society was disbanded when the British Army under General Lord Cornwallis occupied Williamsburg in 1781. 
However, this was a blessing in disguise when one of the members transferred to Yale University in Connecticut, and eventually the fraternity spread to Harvard, Princeton, and other Ivy League colleges in the Northeast. Other Greek-named fraternities began popping up around college campuses in the early 19th century. So early fraternities were mainly intellectual societies where members met to discuss current events and stuff they learned in class. So frequent topics in, at fraternity meetings might include Greek and Roman literature, aka the classics, theater, Shakespeare, the history of Western civilization, or, very popular in the early 1800s, the righteousness or the wrongness of the practice of slavery in America. So I've never been to a frat party myself. I was probably I was never invited to one. But I don't think that's what they talk about at frat parties nowadays. If I'm wrong, please let me know. I have an email address for the podcast. You can shoot me an email. So early fraternities often met in secret to give their members the opportunity to speak their minds freely. So back then, colleges were very conservative, and these intellectual fraternities were an outlet for students to speak their minds freely on sensitive issues like slavery. So the intellectual aspect began to change when Kappa Alpha was formed at Union College in New York in 1825. So unlike other fraternities, Kappa Alpha was purely a social organization that promoted friendship and brotherhood. So the Fraternity comes from the Latin word frater which, frater, which means brother. So Kappa Alpha was very popular and other social fraternities began to pop up around the same time. While these new fraternities focused less on, less on academics, they did maintain an earlier tradition of meeting in secret. So Delta Upsilon was formed in 1831 as the first non-secret fraternity, and it was not long until other fraternities followed suit. The late 19th century would be known as the golden age of fraternities in American college campuses. So this was in large part to the growing number of people who were able to attend college, including women and African Americans. So the history of the sorority is less set in stone compared to the fraternity. So the first secret female collegiate society was Alpha Delta Pi, which was formed in 1851 at a woman's seminary in Ohio. The first society to use the term sorority was Gamma Pi Beta, which was formed in 1874. So the mere existence of sororities was a major accomplishment for female equality in a time when women were still not allowed to vote. So these early sororities continued to exist despite severe opposition from other students and the school administrations. The first African-American fraternity was Alpha Pi Alpha, which was formed as a study group in 1905 at Cornell. Seven other distinct African-American Greek societies were formed over the next 15 years. And while these were founded as your typical social fraternities and sororities, many of these African-American social organizations were also huge advocates for community service and civil rights activism on college campuses. In the late 1800s, there was also a rise of the chapter house, or more commonly known as a frat house or a sorority house, excuse me, fraternity house. Up until then, most meetings were held in dorm rooms because none of these broke college kids could afford to rent their own houses. 
That began to change with the foundation of alumni associations, which donated money to their respective fraternities and sororities. So these funds allowed members to rent their own house, to have meetings and social gatherings. And of course, if you're going to have a, a house, you need to uptake it with, you know, utilities, repairs, cleaning, and whatnot. So a lot of these fraternities and sororities used, um, they started hosting social gatherings to raise money, which became your stereotypical frat party. I'm sorry, fraternity party. So historic fraternity traditions. So let's talk about the term rushing. So the term rushing refers to frats or sororities literally rushing to attract freshmen. So in the early days when these societies were very academically oriented, fraternities would reach out to prospective members individually, usually one-on-one, -on -one, and they would usually assess him on his intellect and good manners. As fraternities realized that more members meant more money, and as the ac academic aspect began to drop, fraternities began competing with each other to recruit incoming freshmen. So let's talk about the initiation process, everybody's favorite. So early initiations usually involve recruits debating each other on stuff like Roman and Greek literature, religion, and philosophy. Initiation ceremonies were pretty formal and rigid, and especially at southern colleges, they often resembled military ceremonies. As fraternities became less about intellect and more about socializing, the initiation ceremonies became more theatrical and often involved stuff like hazing. Early hazing practices included freshmen having their heads shaved, their butts spanked by a paddle, and having their heads dunked in a well for a long period of time. None of which sound like anything I would ever want to partake in. Since this was before any kind of drinking age existed, much of these hazings tended to involve lots and lots and lots of alcohol. Probably very hard alcohol, like hard cider, gin, whiskey, stuff like that. The, her the first hazing-related death occurred in 1874 when Cornell freshman Mort Leggett fell down a 40-foot gorge that, was that he was supposed to walk across wearing a blindfold. Folks, if that is not a stupid idea, I have no idea what a stupid idea is. So let's talk about the, the run-ins with the college administrations. So most colleges were not too happy with fraternities at first given their secret nature and the fact that they usually involved a bunch of young adults doing a bunch of really stupid things like walking across a gorge with a blindfold. And also before we move on, I want to talk about this one other hazing related death. I know hazing related deaths are not something to laugh at, but one new recruit actually died as he was forced to eat too much cooked liver in a short amount of time. So there you go. So most colleges were not too, again, were not too happy with fraternities at first given their secret nature and the fact that they usually involved a bunch of young men and young women doing a bunch of really stupid things. This attitude began to change towards the end of the 19th century as a growing number of professors and college presidents were fraternity alumni themselves. Sororities were even more unwelcome to colleges early on since almost all professors and administrators back then were quite frankly sexist old white guys. Again, this began to change in the 20th century when women began taking leadership roles in college education. 
Now, fraternities and sororities saw a low point in the 1960s during the Vietnam War. So frats and sororities were seen as elitist, something that your parents or grandparents would belong to. And therefore, they did not really age well at a time when the counterculture movement was going on. Increasing awareness of hazing also brought a reluctance for incoming freshmen to join a fraternity or a sorority. And also, the, uh, the modern drug culture began popping up at the same time, and you saw stuff like um, date rape drugs or some frat boy spiking the punch at a party, which again added to the negative image of what a frat or, or sorority really was. Now, fraternities and sororities have enjoyed a bit of a comeback over the past few decades, which would bring us to our key takeaway section. So here's what I want you guys to take away about the history of fraternities and sororities. Here we go. So fraternities started out as intellectual societies and gradually turned into the stuff you see on Animal House or Jimmy Tatrum videos. Much of the same traditions you see today, like hazing, rushing, and giving a new recruit a paddle, have connections to fraternities of the past. The Greek letters are basically a coincidence as the founder of the first fraternity back in 1776 simply liked Greek literature. Fraternities and sororities continue to have their supporters and critics. Supporters point to the social opportunity and community service Greek societies bring to college campuses. Opponents, however, point to stuff like drugs, alcohol, raping, immature behavior, and stuff like and a, a sort of a cult mentality as reasons to avoid frats and sororities. So like everything else, I think there are pros and cons, and I think it all depends on, this is my personal belief, it just depends on how smart and responsible you are when approaching the decision to join a frat or a sorority. So that is basically my episode for today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If I um, missed anything or if there's anything you guys want me to talk more about, feel free to email me at this podcast new email address address which is shooting the bowl 2021 at gmail.com that is shooting with no g so it's s-h-o-o-t-i-n-t-h-e-b-u-l-l 2021 i will put that in the podcast script notes so i hope you enjoyed this episode and i look forward to hearing you for our next one all right guys see you then Well, that concludes today's episode of Shooting the Bull. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review wherever you're listening to. And join us next time when we shoot more of the bull with Tom Snow.